Welcome to Moves That Matter with Dr. Clyde Posley. I am your host, Dr. Clyde Posley Jr., and I'm excited to have you here. Uh, let me tell you all, Happy New Year. I have a message, a lesson that's designed to help you start your year uh, the way that uh, a kingdom person ought to want to start their year. If you've been uh, listening to our broadcast, you know that we normally have about well, three segments, uh, uh, politics, current issues, uh, sports and politics, and then we have a theological kingdom moment. Well, in this first lesson of the new year, in this first episode of the new year, I want to teach a lesson uh, about uh, a man of God in the word of God that I believe if you look at the principles of his life, can help you set yourself on a path for true uh, godly prosperity, biblical prosperity, and true intimacy kingdom style uh, with God. So I want to talk to you a few moments about Peter and his relationship with you. Peter and his relationship with you. I want to call your attention uh, to the uh, gospel according to Luke chapter 22. Again, I want to get right into the word of God. We'll talk a little bit about uh, how you can access this podcast later and things like that. But I want to call your attention immediately to the word of God here. There's a passage of scripture that's going to help us get into the life of Peter and see how his life is a blessing to help my life become more of a kingdom person. In the book of Luke chapter 22 and verse one, uh, verse 31, uh, these words are recorded in the King James Version. Now the Lord said, uh, said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Verse 32 says, but I've prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brother. Peter is arguably the most, apart from Jesus or the apostle Paul, the most colorful, um, of all the apostles in scripture, uh, he, colorful personality. He shows the extremes. He shows great admiration for Jesus. He shows a, a, at times a, an attempted rebuke at Jesus. Uh, he shows dire loyalty to Jesus. Then at another time, he is recorded to have denied knowing Jesus. He's given great responsibility by Jesus. He's the first preacher of the church in the book of Acts chapter two. Uh, but this same Peter was also had to be uh, after being called to preach and preaching on the day of Pentecost actually had to be uh, corrected because Peter, though he was a gospel preacher, was racist. Yes, God gave great responsibility to a man who at the time was racist. And so this passage of scripture springboards us into a discussion and a lesson about how Peter's life often resembles ours and how God uses us along this journey, develops us into who we need to be. We don't start what we need to be, but we become what we need to be to be pleasing in his sight. Peter was called to uh, the gospel ministry by Jesus Christ in the book of Luke chapter five. And on the day that Jesus called Peter into ministry, Jesus immediately, uh, Peter immediately has a confrontation with Jesus. In Luke chapter five, on the day that Peter was called, 
uh, Jesus uh, walked up to Peter as he was uh, fishing there and told him, let me use your boat. In other words, I'm paraphrasing. And so he, Peter used his boat to preach. And uh, Peter, who was a fisherman, uh, uh, had been fishing that night. That'll become relevant in my example just uh, in a few moments. But Peter, this Peter, uh, acquiesced. He gave uh, Jesus uh, permission to use his boat. Jesus preaches from his boat, and then after using his boat, he tells Peter to launch out into the deep of the Sea of Galilee that he'd just been preaching in the boat from to, to other uh, the followers. He tells Peter, launch out into the deep water to catch a draught, a draught which, which is a, another word for a large, full net of fish. Uh, and now Peter should have, been, he should have been elated that he is being told by Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus to be God. He doesn't know Jesus to be, um, the Jesus, the Messiah, uh, at this time. And so he tell, uh, when Jesus gives him this instruction to launch out into the deep, Peter begins to argue, saying, Lord, listen, this is the first day these two have met. He says, Lord, listen, we've been toiling or fishing all night, but nevertheless, says Peter, at thy word, I'll let down my net for a large fish. Now, Jesus had told Peter, let out your N-E-T-S, nets, plural. But Peter gives half-hearted commitment to this Jesus he doesn't really know, quarrels in a sense with Jesus the first day he meets him, said, okay, I'll let down my N-E-T for a, a, a drought. The Bible records that on this day that Jesus met Peter, despite Peter's argument with Jesus of sorts, he catches a large catch a fish so large that the boat that Jesus had just used to preach to the people in cannot hold all the catch. So the relationship with Peter and Jesus to some degree was tumultuous from the very start. And yet we have God in Christ using, calling, anointing this Peter. Does God use the quarrelsome? Does God use people that have contrary spirits or contrary uh, opinions and views to his instructions? Does he use those people in ministry? You better hope he does, beloved, because each of us have had some sort of quarrel, disagreement, or contrary uh, opinions to instructions that God has called us. What Peter's disposition shows us, and we'll discover it a little bit later, is that Peter, like so many of us, are laden with sin and our flesh even controls how we view God sometimes. The fact that we have sin, according to Romans chapter 7, the Apostle Paul explains to us that sin is in our members, our flesh. The presence of that sin in our members of flesh often gets us in trouble with God. But he loves us anyway. And he intends, he knows what he's buying. Glory be to God. You know, uh, there's a term called buyer beware. Uh, others who subscribe to such a term say, look, whatever you buy, it's, that's what it's going to be when you get it home. Someone ought to be encouraged today that God knows what he's redeeming. He knows what he's purchasing. And he's not afraid to, to take you battered and broken and with evil pains and dispositions from being rejected and, and ostracized by people. He's willing to wrap his arms around you, purchase you back from your sin condition and because he knows his power to transform you into what you need to be. 
This lesson about Peter is relevant for someone's new year, is relevant for your life, is relevant for you today, because if God can take a person with the proclivities of a Peter, then God can take a person with the proclivities of a you and transform you into what you need to be. There are three things about Peter's life that I believe are very relevant today. I believe that they can make a difference in our lives today. But we've got to look at these principles and what they uh, what they are <clears throat> and what it is, how they fit into what God is calling for us to do. One of the first things that we need to understand about Peter's life that can make our lives relevant is that our struggles are part of the journey. The first principle I want you to, to get is that our struggles are a part of our journey. We have a passage of scripture here, and we're going to go over several passages to prove the principles that I'm going to talk to you about. But we, I, this passage of scripture in Luke chapter 22 opens up with Jesus asking Peter, saying, Simon, Simon, telling Peter, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you, that he may sift you as wheat. Now, this is Peter. Um, uh, we're going to talk a little bit more about this. The Peter that was given the keys to the kingdom of God and all of that. And this is Jesus telling him, I need you to know that, uh, and I'm paraphrasing, Satan has desired to have you. Satan has made it known to me. I am God. I have revelation uh, knowledge. I have understanding that Satan wants you. He wants to have you. He wants to sift you as we. Why Peter? Well, uh, in Matthew chapter 16, Jesus has given Peter the keys to the kingdom of, of get heaven. And we're going to talk a little bit about that, which is a great honor. We're going to talk about how he got those keys. But this is a great honor for Jesus Christ to give Jesus the, uh, uh, the Jesus Christ to give Peter the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Satan hates Peter because of God's plan for Peter. And watch this. Satan has desired to sift Peter as wheat. Jesus knows that he's desired to sift Peter as wheat. And Jesus is going to let him try and sift Peter as wheat. Why would God in Christ let uh, Satan in on me? If if Romans chapter, since Romans chapter 8 and verse 28 says that all things work together for the good of them who love God to them who are the called according to his purpose, then anything God allows in my life is for the betterment of my ability to do his assignment. Satan, God only allows Satan in our lives when it equips us, when the in, when the event or the engagement with Satan uh, equal, will result in us being equipped better to serve God. And this is not the first time that God has allowed someone with a specific assignment to be unleashed on one of God's children, uh, or Satan to be unleashed on one of God's children, rather, with a specific assignment. God was, was sovereign. He permitted Satan, Lucifer, to come into the Garden of Eden and have that conversation with Eve. Adam and Eve could never have served God the way God wanted them to know and serve him, except they be confronted with the choice not to serve him. If all Adam and Eve do is serve God because God has said that, then they are only serving God out of duty and never out of devotion. God uses Satan in the Garden of Eden to give Eve the choice to choose to serve 
God, to choose to serve God, and without the opportunity to to to, to uh, being exposed to um, something else, then her love, Adam and Eve's love and commitment to God, can't be of choice. If you, if you, we know that God gives us will, and in the book of Joshua, chapter 24, we know that God directed Joshua to tell Israel, choose you this day who you will serve. So we know that service is a choice. God allowed Satan in on Job. In fact, when it comes to Job, it could be said that God sicked Satan on Job. Because you see, Job, who had been making sacrifices in case his children had sinned, uh, 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 that day, God saw uh, Satan uh, uh, around the vicinity of Job's family. God suggested to Satan, Lucifer, have you considered my servant Job? There's none like him. I know you're here to try to accuse the brethren. And you're here to try to tear down anyone who's trying to follow me. I've got someone I want to let you in on. Satan was aware and he apparently had been already trying to get at Job because Satan's response was, listen, Job doesn't fear you for nothing. Job knows you've got a hedge around him. But Satan said, I tell you what, if you lower the hedge, I'll make him curse you to your face. God said, agree. I'm going to lower the hedge. I want you to come at Job because the what I'm trying to teach Job is about not being at ease in Zion and that his righteousness is only significant if it's connected to his humility and service to me. And I'm going to use you to show Job that just being right, it doesn't mean that you're totally in love with me. I'm going to show him by how I let you come at him and I keep him and double his favor despite what you do. I'm going to show Job that that relationship with me is above even his own personal righteousness. And I'm going to use you, Satan, to do it. God also let Satan, God, the Bible says after Jesus was baptized, the Holy Spirit uh, let, led Jesus into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And then... And, and, and so, and Jesus defeated Satan by the word of God, three, uh, three pronouncements of the word of God. And, uh, and in that same passage of scripture, this same Jesus was offered, was told by, uh, Satan, look, look at all these kingdoms of the world. I will give them all to you if you bow down and worship me. Just a little side note, cause I'm always teaching about the kingdom of God. Isn't it interesting that Satan tells Jesus, all these kingdoms, I'll give them to you if you bow down and worship them. Because there's one kingdom he didn't have control of. And if the Lord of that kingdom bows down and worships Satan, he would have control of that kingdom. That tells us that Satan is willing to trade in all of what he controls in the earth to get control of the kingdom of God on earth. So, and then, and, and arguably most important to why, maybe as important as any, as to why um, God lets Satan in on people that have an assignment is God sending a messenger to not an apostle, but what Paul calls himself in Romans chapter 11, the apostle to the Gentiles. It is important that we see Paul as the apostle, that's the apostle to the Gentiles, because Paul's assignment was to teach the Gentiles grace. And whatever God has for the body, he teaches it to the head. Paul was called to be the, not and, but the apostle to the Gentiles. 
And because Paul was the one who was the apostle to the Gentiles, Gentiles get into the kingdom of God by the grace of God. They were engrafted in by the grace of God. They were adopted, adopted by the grace of God. And God has to teach the head before he can inform the body. I need you to hear this. And so what the, what God does is teach Paul, who's, who is the apostle to the Gentiles, uh, about grace by sending him a messenger of Satan that he won't move. He, God, after giving Paul great revelation, allowing Paul to get into the third heaven and see the celestial city, he, because uh, of these revelations, God sent, uses Satan to bring humility to the life of Paul and does not take the, the thorn in his flesh, that which is also called a messenger of Satan, from Paul. Why? Because God wants to show the power of grace above deliverance. Many of us, and it's the same reason he let Satan sift, try to sift Peter as we. Many of us want God to move our trials so we can serve him better. God says, no, I leave, often leave trials so you can glorify me better. And because your service on earth is to glorify me. If I take every problem away from you, there is no space for me to show my ability to work with you and develop you and glorify myself through you despite the problem. Because you see, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, in this world, you have trials and tribulations. There's not going to be a time in this world as a preacher, a pastor, a choir member, a, a, a sanitation worker, a bus driver, a doctor, that you don't have trials and tribulations as a child of God. So if God goes around taking every problem that you have away, then what, then where is grace going to work? Grace was not just designed to get you saved. It was designed to cause you to live saved. And the grace of God, God permits it. So he allows Satan to have, to, to, to do some things in your life knowing that his grace is sufficient for you. And so we have a reason why we need to relate to Peter. Because Satan has desired to sift you, beloved, as we. You sitting there, as you look at your computer, you're looking at your laptop, you're looking at your HP or your Mac, uh, whatever you're looking at. You, you, Satan has desired to sift you. You have an assignment. You, there is Peter, there's a, a relationship between you and Peter that you need to understand. God has allowed Satan to do some things in your life and has not moved him, though he has the power to do it, so that his grace may abound in you, so that you have more confidence and intimacy with God than you do confidence and intimacy in what this trouble can do. Kingdom people are focused on grace instead of their problems. Because this is the kingdom of grace. And Peter had to be the one then that God chose first. He was the rowdiest of the group. He was the one quick to cut off Malchus's ear when they came to arrest Jesus. He was the one with the flaws. He was the one with the quick temper. He was the one that was a loud mouth. He was the one that was known to be the, that would lie. What better way to show God's grace on someone than the one who obviously doesn't have the greatest expression of righteousness? It's not how you start, beloved. It's what that grace did to Peter by the time he was done. He was so intimate with Christ by the time he was done, he asked to be crucified, according to Josephus, upside down. 
saying that he wasn't even worthy to die in the same position that his Lord had been crucified in. So Peter is relevant to us and our journey uh, uh, begins to unfold as to uh, why Peter, we need him because we begin to see that God takes the weak things and Peter was a weak thing to confound the wise. Something else relevant, uh, a second point relevant to Peter uh, uh, that's important to us is, is, is how we get kingdom favor from God. And Peter shows us how. In the book of Matthew chapter 16, Jesus asked his disciples one day, who do men say that I the son of man am? And uh, and the disciples there at Caesarea Philippi, Jesus asked this question. The disciples start to say, some say that are Elias or Isaiah, one of the prophets. Then Jesus asked the question in the same Matthew chapter excuse me, 16, who do you say that I am? Peter stepped up and said, thou art the Christ. Peter, the thug the liar, the troubled man, said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus said to him, Flesh and blood hadn't revealed this to you, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto you, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I'm going to build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Well, the gates of hell not prevailing against it is important. I'm going to bring that back in a second. He says, I'm going to give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You're going to give keys to a thug? You're going to give keys to a man that's flawed. You're going to give keys to some. And in this same passage, after he gives Peter the keys to the kingdom of God, after Peter gets the keys, Jesus is talking about how he's going to go to heaven, go to the cross. And the Bible says that Peter took Jesus, meaning he grabbed him and said, this shall not be true of you. After giving this Peter the keys, he has to then tell Peter, after Peter grabs him and tells Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. For thou savest the things of man and not the things of God. So he's rebuking him within the same conversation of giving him the key. Why does God do that? Why would God give the keys to someone like Peter? Well, first of all, God knows that the Peter we see in Matthew 16 is not the same Peter that we're going to see on the day of Pentecost. Peter had something about him that all of us need to learn and watch this. Now, it's going to bless you. You're going to want to shout right where you are. So I need you to listen to me. Peter shows us, God shows us through Peter that Jesus Christ values a person's ability to get revelation about Jesus over your attempts to be holy. I need you to get this. God gives Peter the keys to the kingdom because he tells Peter, flesh and blood have not revealed this unto you, but my father, which is in heaven. Now he gives the keys to the person who knows how to get revelation, but knows that he's going to be rebuking him in just a few moments. God shows us the principle here that I value one's ability to become intimate with God, to seek the things of God, to understand who Jesus is more than their efforts to be holy. Because Jesus understands if they seek me like they've been, if people keep seeking me like Peter sought me, seek God about who I am, learning who I am will take care of whatever proclivities they have. I could shout right here just about, about how happy I am about that. I'm not saying that holiness is not important, and it is, and righteous living is, and integrity is important, and character is important. But you seek the kingdom of God. You do what Peter did. Flesh and blood didn't reveal to him who Jesus was, but his father, which is in heaven. Seek God about who Jesus is and learning who Jesus is will fix anything that keeps you from God's best assignment. 
How do I know that? Because Jesus got, Peter got God's best assignment from Jesus, despite who he was at that time. Beloved, the most important aspect of kingdom living is seeking God for revelation about how to proceed. Stop letting the world tell you who Jesus is. Stop letting Muslims tell you who Jesus is. Stop letting other people tell you who Jesus is. Let God in the spirit realm tell you who Jesus is. That's more important to him than any wrong thing you've done in your past. Because if you get a clear revelation about Jesus, you you have the opportunity to get in Christ. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 17, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things become new. Last thing that's very important about kingdom living relative uh, to Peter, and I need everybody to hear this, and it is the fact that there is something happening for people like Peter that makes all the difference in the world. I need you to hear it. In Luke chapter 22, the Bible explains to us that um, Peter Jesus uh, tells him, um, Satan has desired to have that it may sift you as wheat. And Jesus says one thing, but I prayed for you that your faith fail not. What? You, you are the God of glory and you have all this power and all you, I have watched you raise the dead, give sight to the blind. I've watched you restore a woman's son back to her who was dead, already have this funeral. I've watched you do all these things. The first day I met you, you caught, I caught more fish in one meeting with you than I caught in my previous fishing career. And all you got to say is that you're going to pray for me. I, I need to look into this camera and tell somebody something. Jesus praying for you is more powerful than anything somebody can do for you. Jesus Christ says, I'm so I'm going to let Satan try you. But keep in mind, I'm praying for you. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews, chapter 7 and verse 25, that Jesus ever liveth to make intercession for his saints. Jesus is praying for you, and that's going to make the difference. How do you know this makes a difference? Well, in the book of John, I'm, I'm going to close out this with this. In the book of John, chapter 21, after Jesus had been crucified, Peter, who had been following Jesus when he was arrested, followed from a distance. Peter became, showed his true painful colors when they began to question Peter about whether or not he knew Jesus. They first asked him, he said, no, I don't know him. Then they asked him again, I know you were, you're a Galilean, your speech is betraying you. I know for a fact that you know Jesus. Peter says, in, a, in, a, in effect, look, I don't know him. Then a damsel came to him in a third time. And Peter, yes, Peter was even rude to a woman. Peter cursed. The Bible says, blank. Now, look, I don't know the man. And after denying Jesus three times, he went away, the Bible says, and wept bitter, bitter, in a bitter manner or, or bitterly. But this same Peter after the resurrection of Jesus, finds himself um, restored. Jesus has a personal conversation with Peter, and he tells Peter, he asks Peter three times, if you love me, feed my sheep. Peter uh, says to Jesus, Lord, you know I love you. He asks Peter again, if you love me, feed my uh, lambs. Peter said, you know I love you, Lord. 
Then he asked Peter a third time. Peter, do you love me? Lovest thou me more than these? Peter grows weary and says, Lord, you, you know I love you. Why are you asking me? Well, I don't have time to get into this like I would like to, but this is about Peter's restoration. I've talked to you about some of the rules as to why Satan comes, God, Jesus lets Satan come in on us. I've talked to you about the importance of revelation in Peter's life and how that gives us access into the kingdom. But I want to talk to you how Peter shows God's ability to give us restoration. Let me close with this. It's interesting. When Jesus asks Peter, if you love me, feed my sheep. If you love me, feed my lambs. He uses three different words there for sheep and lamb. And anyone who likes lamb like I do know that lamb and, and mutton are not, are, are, di are different based on the age of the sheep. So what Peter was, by, by Jesus using different words, what he's saying to Peter is, there's a, I use one word for lamb, a different word for mutton, a different word for sheep, different word for lamb. At every age of sheep, Peter, can I trust you? I gave you the keys. Peter, no matter what the use of word sheep or lamb I use, that, which represents a different age of every sheep that you might endure. Can I fully trust you so I can fully restore you? Because if I can, you're going to be an example to a whole host of people. I love Jesus and I love Peter. Peter is my elder brother and he shows me that on my worst day, I'm still the righteousness of God. That nothing wrong with me takes away God's ability to use me. And if I just stick with Jesus like Peter stuck with Jesus in this new year, in these coming months, God will use me and develop me into what I need to be. That's going to do it for today. I want you to have a fantastic year and a fantastic start to your year. You can get this broadcast on uh, the website this below, www.clyaposley.com. You can get the, the, the podcast at iTunes. You can get to my YouTube uh, channel there. You can order my book, More Than Icons and Images, uh, on my website, that same place that's on the screen. You can subscribe to uh, this broadcast at Clyde at DrClydePosley.com. But more than anything, these new broadcasts will be out every Tuesday evening at 730. It's been my pleasure to be with you. I'm looking forward to continue this relationship. And remember, life is filled with a bunch of moves. Make your moves moves that matter. God bless you, and I'll see you next week.